Hello and welcome again for this week's edition of Radio Elevate. I'm your host, Cody Fair. I'm the Elevate Crosspoint Youth Minister there at Crosspoint Church there in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've got a great lesson. We're going to have the lead pastor of Crosspoint Church, uh, Greg Dobler, is going to join us a little bit later today as we continue our series, Red, as we discuss the Sermon on the Mount and we get a little hairy as we talk about divorce. But first, we're going to get kicked off just like we do each and every single week with a little bit of worship. And we're going to start off this week with one of my absolute favorites. Here's Zach Williams with There Was Jesus. Every time I try to make it on mine Every time I try to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now Well, there was Jesus In the way, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting Like a blessing buried in broken pieces In the healing and the hurting 
heard that right. That was Dolly Parton right there with Zach Williams. Up next, here's Chris Tomlin with Good, Good Father. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers far and
next, here's one of my new favorites. It's Brandon Lake with Elevation Worship and Graves to Gardens. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Mount empty praise and treasures of fame.
Hey, stick around with us because right after this break, Greg Dobler's going to join us as we continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount as we discuss the subject of divorce. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Radio Elevate, this is Matt, worship pastor here at Crosspoint Church. Man, what a great opportunity it is to spend time with you here on Radio Elevate. What a great platform and opportunity that you have to share with your friends and your family the good news of the gospel brought to you by Elevate Student Ministries. Cody and the team have done a fantastic job leading you in this ministry. We're excited about what they're going to be able to do through Radio Elevate. I hope you enjoy it. I know I'm looking forward to it. Join with me as we listen together this new lesson on Radio Elevate. got a very special guest here with us today, probably the busiest man that we have at Crosspoint Church. He's our lead pastor, Greg Dobler, joining us today. Greg, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Cody. How are you? Man, I, I'm awesome. A little a little side note here, I'm, I'm really glad to have Greg today. Last time I had Greg on, I feel like we had one of the best conversations that we had had during any of Radio Elevate. And my computer decided to crash shortly after uh, we we recorded our interview. So there is a great interview somewhere out in outer space that did not make the podcast. So I've got my fingers crossed today that our interview with Greg does make air. So Greg, say a prayer for us after this, that this makes air. <laughs> All right, Cody, I will. Uh, hopefully this will work this time. I, I certainly hope it will. You know, Greg, today... We're going to discuss a topic that, that honestly is maybe a little bit uncomfortable to talk about, and that's one of the things that I really like about these, this series, Red, and I really like about Jesus' teaching when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus did not shy away from the hard subjects when it came to the greatest sermon that was ever preached, and he, he was not afraid to get down and dirty, and most importantly, he wasn't afraid to get truthful. And in these specific verses, uh, the Pharisees are really kind of trying to question Jesus and almost trying to set Jesus up. But Jesus really shuts them down really quick. And just like he's done in the clarity of the entire Sermon on the Mount, he really adds some clarity to the subject of divorce. Yes, he does. And... Um... Uh, divorce is a very difficult topic to talk about, and yet it is so prevalent in our society that uh, it's good to gain a perspective from God's Word about what is all involved and what the Bible teaches about it. So uh, to get us kicked off, I'm going to read a couple Bible verses to you, and uh, we're just going to kind of discuss those in and out. First, uh, I want to talk about Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, and it says, Suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of, of divorce. 
hands it to her, and sends her away from his house. When she leaves his house, she's free to marry another man. But if the second husband also turns against her, writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away, or if he dies, the first husband may not marry her again, for she has been defiled. That would be detestable to the Lord. You must not bring guilt upon the land the Lord your God has given you as a special possession. And then I'm, I'm going to skip on to Matthew chapter 5, 31 through 32, and it says, You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Uh, according to Matthew 5.31, do you think people have been taught incorrectly about divorce? Well, yeah, I think that people take a very cavalier approach to divorce, and uh, we're pretty much into the same uh, area of approach to divorce that they were in during the Old Testament. Uh, during the days of Moses, where pretty much anything goes, um, uh, you know, back in back in Jesus's time, uh, people could divorce their wife for any and every reason possible, and that's the way it was when, um, you know, that's the way it is now in our society, where people are willing to divorce their wife. Uh, for just about anything or divorce their husband, whichever the case may be. But it's it's a very cavalier attitude, and, and people have turned their head away from the permanence of marriage. So it's, a, it's an approach to marriage that is it's, it's skewed by our society, and divorce is skewed by our society. You know, I, I think Matthew adds a lot of clarity. When I read the verse in Deuteronomy, it's it's almost as if it's teaching that the woman's feelings are not taken into account, but I can't you know, stress enough that when it comes to divorce, nobody wins. Uh, the man, the woman, nobody wins in a divorce. Matthew, I think, really clarifies that divorce is a, a horrible thing that sometimes we have to go through uh, for a man and woman, and that it treats the woman more as a godly creation rather than just an object. You know, somebody you just hand a letter to, and now you're divorced. I think Matthew really clarifies the relationship with him in those verses. Well, there was a rabbi that was uh, a contemporary of Jesus during that time, and he was very popular uh, when it came to his teaching on divorce. And he taught that a man could divorce his wife for taking her hair down in public or burning a meal or salting it too much or not even cleaning the house or, or getting angry or argumentative with the husband or um, get this one spinning around and revealing her ankles. <laughs> uh, and so um, this rabbi wrote, that if a man has a bad wife, it is his religious duty to divorce her. So uh, uh, divorce was so rampant uh, in Jesus's time, and that's why Jesus took such a 
um, hard line with the Pharisees. So how do you think Jesus responds to uh, what the the Pharisees and really uh, just the people in general had heard? Do you think that he's contradicting Deuteronomy or do you think he's clarifying Deuteronomy? I don't think he's, I don't think there's any contradiction at all. I think what he's doing is he's contradicting their tradition. And remember that people live by traditions rather than God's word. And so when Jesus um, answered their question, you know, he said, what did Moses command you? And so he just bypassed their customs and all their social behavior and whatever popular opinion was out there. And he got right down to the matter of what did God say? And so he hold, he's upholding the authority of the scripture um, by going back to Moses because that was the written word at that time. Um, the Old Testament was the Bible, uh, so to speak. And so Jesus is, is going back and he's upholding um, the authority of the scriptures. And he goes back to the origin of marriage. Instead of just dealing with the exceptions, he goes back to what the purpose was of marriage. And marriage was intended to be permanent. So let's let's move on to uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, and it says, Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They recorded that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So, the Pharisees tested Jesus with this question of divorce. How does Jesus's re- reply really kind of act in contrast to their question? Well, they're trying to test Jesus. They're they're going to see if because keep in mind that the that the teaching of their day, their tradition was very popular among men. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to to uh, chip away at Jesus' popularity. And they're trying to get him to contradict them and come out and say something that will cause him to no longer be popular with the people. So Jesus comes at, back at them and he says, look, marriage is a closed relationship. It's one man. It's one woman joined together. Um, it's unbreakable. He said they they come together for one flesh, uh, and in order to become one flesh, your marriage is your primary relationship. So marriage takes precedence over your relationship with your parents or your children or your friends. And so it's blending two lives together for a lifetime. And uh, that's not easy to do. So one flesh implies it, it was a permanent relationship and it was god who together it was god who instituted marriage um and god was 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 trying to establish a, a relationship that was unbreakable and so um um 
that's where marriage, he just goes back to the original purpose of marriage. Look, he said, marriage is not about getting married and then uh, weighing your options. Marriage is about entering into a covenant relationship with a, a person for a lifetime. And that's what you need to focus on, not the exceptions. So we, we talk a little bit about uh, how, uh, where he says, this explains why a man must leave his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of leaving your father and mother and why that means you must do that to take your marriage so seriously? <clears throat> well, if... If your if your spouse is not your primary relationship in life, and you don't uh, leave your father and mother, and I, what he is saying there is, um, there's going to be problems in a marriage. Uh, you can't you can't waver back and forth. You got to make up your mind who you're allegiance is going to be to. So in the case of leaving your father and mother, you make your decisions based on what you and your spouse agree upon, not what your parents want you to do. And I think in today's world, there's a lot of problems with younger couples getting married, but they're still listening to mom or dad. And yeah. they're not really in tune with their spouse. Yeah, and I and I think that has to do a, a little bit of maturity wise. The we listen to the world tell us that divorce is no big deal, so we rush into marriage before we're ready to totally commit to to that person. Because when we commit to somebody as a spouse, uh, as we've discussed, they become our our priority. Those two become one. The outside influence. Take a second, take a back seat to uh, the life that you create with the spouse. And when you stop putting your spouse first, I think that's when uh, problems start arising in your marriage. Yeah. I mean, anytime that you start trying to please people outside of a husband wife relationship and start making your decisions and choices in life to please someone outside that marriage, uh, then you got problems. Yeah. And that's what we see people doing. We see people today trying to please mom and dad or please their children or please uh, their friends. And Jesus was very specific. When you enter into a marriage, that's your primary relationship in life. That's where your priorities lie. That's where your allegiance lies is to your spouse, not to parents, not to your friends, not to your uh, co-workers. It's you and your spouse. And, and let's clarify just a little bit here. Jesus is not teaching that your relationship with mother and father ends, your relationship with friends ends, but it does say that your relationship with your spouse is elevated above those other relationships. That's right. So if there's a conflict Basically, this comes into play when there's conflict. Um, if you and your spouse are heading in one direction and your parents interject and they disagree with the direction that you're heading in and they try to sway you to go against what you and your spouse have already agreed upon and you make an independent decision 
based on your parents' influence rather than discussing it with your spouse, then that's wrong. But there should be a healthy friendship relationship with your parents after marriage. Absolutely. It, I, it, it goes more into a contemporary relationship, not a a, a mentor tutor relationship. Exactly. You're not you're not under their authority anymore. You want to maintain a good relationship with them. you want them to be advisors in your life, but you are no longer under their authority. So and I want to so, I want to circle this around just a little bit because some people may be listening to this going, "Hey, elevate, this is a youth ministry. Why are we covering this in a youth ministry?" But you know, kids today are getting married 18, 19, 20 years old. I, I really want to uh, put the emphasis out there before you make that commitment of marriage, make sure you're ready for that marriage. Are you ready to commit yourself to that person and uh, and put your decision-making uh, responsibilities, have those coexist with the person that maybe you're dating or seeing? Uh, before you get married, I, I ask the youth to really evaluate that and make sure that they're ready for that step. And you know, Cody, um, talking about marriage and parental uh, authority and all of that kind of thing before you get married as a teenager um, and even after your teenage years you should lean heavily upon uh, your advice from your parents as to whether they think you're ready for marriage uh, whether they think that you are to accept those responsibilities. Um, so while you're single, you should lean heavily on the advice and counsel of your parents because they are still your primary advisors in life. And, um, you know, ask for an honest opinion. Do you, what do you think of this person that I'm thinking about entering into a marriage with what do you but do it on the front end not on the back end yeah well folks we've got a little bit more conversation coming your way don't go nowhere greg's not going anywhere we're going to be right back as we continue discussing the subject of divorce we'll be right back after this break stick around hey radio elevate this is matt worship pastor here at cross point church i hope you're enjoying this lesson i want to give you an opportunity to give to radio elevate a ministry of elevate student ministries of cross point church you can text the word give to 423-467-5311 that's 423-467-5311 and you can become a partner with radio Enjoy this lesson. And 
We're back. Still got Greg Dobler joining us today. He is the lead pastor there at Cross Point Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee, the home of Elevate Youth Ministry. We've uh, He's had some excellent insights so far. We're going to continue our discussion just a little bit as divorce and uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9. This is just the expanded view, really, of the verses that we've been discussing anyway. And it says, Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? The record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked? Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Now, that gets into some really deep and hairy stuff. Uh, in this passage, Greg, do you think Jesus is forbidding divorce or second marriages, or do you think that he's allowing them? I think that he allows it and he he establishes the fact that you know originally marriage was was uh intended to be a permanent relationship and it still is but as we know sin can mar anything that God has created and it has and so sin created divorce he he states to them because of the hardness of your heart moses granted you divorce and so god has given us this beautiful gift called marriage but it had been exploited and it was being abused and uh because of sin it was it was wrecking this this beautiful institution that god had established and um and so what he is saying is yeah you know, divorce is permitted, but it's because of your own sinfulness that divorce is permitted. Um, and because a divorce in Moses's day, uh, look, I, I, I got to give you a little context here. Um, a lot of times people look at this passage in the New Testament and say, well, the only reason for divorce is adultery or fornication. And, um, or, uh, you know, an illicit sexual act outside of the bonds of marriage. But that's not necessary. It's because adultery was handled in a different way in the Old Testament. In Leviticus, it tells us that if a woman or a man is found uh, in adultery, they are to be stoned to death. Uh, so adultery was handled by death sentence in the Old Testament. But then a chapter later, uh, it talks about divorce. And so what was the original intent of divorce? Well, it was for something more than adultery because adultery was handled by stoning someone to death. So divorce was basically an acknowledgement that men were abusing their wives. Uh, they had a, they had a deep 
deep-seated hatred toward their wife, and they were mistreating their wives. They were treating them with contempt and cruelty and harshness. And, and uh, so God made sure that, they, that those women were protected from all of that abuse and hatred. And so that's the reason that divorce was granted um, and given the grace of remarrying. So divorce, in, in some cases, is of grace on God's part that was caused by sin. So wherever sin is, grace abounds. And that's, that's what Jesus is trying to establish here. Marriage was intended to be permanent. Man's sin marred the institution. God grants grace by, uh, in certain situations uh, for those who are trapped in some deep-seated, uh, abusive, hated relationships, contemptible relationships. And, and I think you, you use the perfect word, and, and it's a word that we continue to come back to almost each and every week right here on Radio Elevate, and it, it's grace. And I think in divorce, that is a, a really good worldly representation of Jesus' grace that he gives us. And, and we also make a point that we're not really measured by our last sin. So the, the adultery and divorce and, and the sins of that nature are no different than another type of sin. There's no ranking to that. If Jesus can forgive murder or Jesus can forgive uh, lying or stealing or, or, or whatever awful thing Jesus can forgive, he can certainly forgive divorce and he can certainly forgive adultery. Although he does not condone it, he offers the grace for that. Yes, he does. So, and he, offer, he offers grace to those who are caught up in all of that. Yeah, because it's not, and as you made the point, it's it, it's our heart that longs for the lustful desires of adultery or whatever. It, it's it's not the goodness of God that makes us uh, be unfaithful to a spouse in the first place. It, it's all sin uh, that's where the root of that comes from. Correct. So how does Jesus' teaching on divorce contrast the way people view marriage and divorce today? Well, like I said in the beginning, I think we are back to anything goes for divorce. You know, you looked at me wrong. I don't like the way you did this. And so let's just call it quits. Um, and Jesus and the Bible is very specific about um, reasons for divorce, that we should not haphazardly approach divorce, but that we should deeply consider the reason for divorce. And so he he grants grace in the case of immorality. Uh, you know, if some, a partner commits immorality with, an, with someone outside of marriage, then the innocent partner has that option of divorce. Now, it's not mandatory, but if, uh, if the trust has been, it feels like that there's no remedy uh, from the person who's been sinning, then there's grace for the innocent partner to exit that relationship and then remarry. And uh, so Jesus grants the grace of getting out of a relationship 
uh, a sinful relationship, but he also grants the grace of finding a partner that you can live the rest of your life with. And so he grants remarriage and the grace of divorce. So one thing that, that I really want to touch on here for just a second is that I think people view marriage as simply a, a strong relationship uh, between two people now, not a lifetime relationship between man, woman, and God. And I think that, uh, you know, we talk about marriage of two becoming one, but I think that really speaks to the Trinity of God about being three in one. And you can apply that same thing to a marriage because a successful marriage involves man, woman, and God as a, a trinity of marriage, if you will, to have a successful marriage. So when you don't include God in your marriage and make God a major, major part of your marriage, uh, you're kind of doomed from the beginning. Yeah, um I believe it's Psalm 127 that says, uh, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And so it doesn't matter how much you feel like you love someone. Oops, sorry, my computer just went off there. Um, but uh, uh, it doesn't, you know, um, I lost my thought. <laughs> check, check your email. Um no, I was uh, pulling up my uh, my Bible um, pro program, and it and it gives you that signal that's coming on. <laughs> well, that's okay. The answer's in there. <laughs> uh, but except the Lord build the house, they that labor labor in vain. And uh, so, unless God is included, it doesn't matter how much you think you love somebody, you, your marriage doesn't stand a chance. Uh, and I think that's where this society has gone astray. We abandon God, and then we somehow think that we can have a marriage relationship that's going to last the distance or go the distance, and that's just not the case. Without honoring God in that relationship, since he's the founder of marriage, since he's the architect of marriage, then it stands to reason that we need to follow his plan and not our own. And if we go outside that plan, then divorce is almost inevitable. You know, we can, uh, uh, we kind of hint all around it as we've discussed this topic, but it's something we, we can't really ignore when we're talking about uh, marriage and divorce. But the actual physical act of, of love is something that is viewed as being minor in today's society. And, you know, sex is not reserved necessarily for marriage and as that physical act of love anymore. And it's viewed as something minor. Can you speak a little bit on how that has affected a modern marriage? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you've taken something that was originally reserved uh, for a husband and wife and you've cheapened it and you have uh, you have put it out there to where um, anything goes and uh, it's the the relationship that part of the relationship is no longer special and by the 
it's just is there's no intimacy and i think that's what's missing um in in that in more modern marriages is that um they there's they're just so confused about what the purpose of marriage is about that they don't really even know why they're getting married so for someone whose life has been affected by divorce in what ways do you think maybe Jesus's words are difficult for them to hear? Well, uh, people look at this and they'll say, well, uh, I'm permanently scarred because if I, if I understand this correctly, then I'm permanently scarred uh, because of my um, divorce. And that is not the case. Um, it, Jesus is, uh, is saying, yeah, you know, it is a sin if you get divorced for a non-biblical reason, but it's not an unforgivable sin. It's not the unpardonable sin. It's not something that stains you for the rest of your life. You, If you realize that you received a divorce for a non-biblical reason, then just in your heart repent of that um, action in your life and then dedicate yourself to uh, following God's word from this point on. You can't go back to the past. And that's the great thing about God's grace. He doesn't expect us to. He doesn't expect us to go back and try to make up for past sin. Uh, he puts our sin as far away from us as the East is from the West, and we need to work on doing the same. It begins with being honest with God. So if a person self-divorced for a non-biblical reason, what they just need to do is just have a conversation with the Lord in prayer and uh, let the Lord know that they are sorry that they took that action and that from this point forward, uh, they are... Uh, willing and ready to follow his plan for their life. And by doing so, uh, they set a new course for their life and they can expect God's blessing on that life instead of constantly living with this sense of guilt and regret. And if you're somebody that is having some difficulty right now, maybe you know somebody that's going through a divorce, hey, I urge you to contact us. We're here for you. Uh, uh, we want you to know that we'll be happy to go to God with you and, and help you pray and uh, help you get through whatever tough time that uh, you're facing right now. But uh, as far as to get today goes, Greg, I truly want to thank you for joining us this week and really adding some great insight into the uh, subject of divorce as it relates to the Sermon on the Mount. Greg, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I would just encourage young people to be consider several things. Um, the Bible talks about if you're a believer, then don't be unequally yoked. So it's not talking about finding someone who uh, is different from you, but it talks about basically marrying another believer. So if you're starting to date, then date believers. Don't date someone know the Lord because you're just asking for a problem in your in your life. 
Uh, so be careful as to who you choose to date. And then don't enter marriage lightly. Understand that when that time comes and you think you love someone, that you need to make sure in your heart and mind that you and your potential spouse have a desire to love the Lord, serve the Lord, and follow God. And um, I think that's how you begin the process of avoiding divorce and finding a marriage that lasts for a lifetime. Awesome. Greg Dobler, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been our absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, Greg is the teaching pastor and the lead pastor there at Cross Point Church in Jonesboro. That's the home of our Elevate Youth Ministry. If you like what Greg has had to say today, uh, it, it comes straight from the heart, straight from God's Word. Uh, Greg is a fantastic, fantastic teacher. Uh, he ministers to uh, a lot of people each and every week, and it always hits home, so it was really and truly our honor and our pleasure to have you here on radio elevate this week greg well it's my pleasure to join and, uh, you and your team of uh, leaders are doing a fantastic job uh with our uh, youth at cross point and um and with the elevate men and so uh I thank you for your hard work and your love for the kids. Hey, we uh, we love to do it, and we're glad to do it. And with that right there, that's going to wrap up this edition of Radio Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know we had to hit the reset button just a little bit last week and, and postpone our, our next get-together, but a brand-new series in person called System Reset is going to start right there at 1148 East Main Street in Jonesboro, Tennessee at 4.30 p.m. on August the 2nd. Mark your calendars. We're getting back together. We're going to study and we're going to worship writing God's Word as Elevate Youth Ministry once again. That is August the 2nd right there at the main campus. Thank you so much for joining us today on Radio Elevate. My name's Cody Fair and for everybody at Elevate Youth Ministry, hope you have a great week and we'll see you right back here next week on Radio Elevate.